0: Hello, sweet souls. I am Lucy Victoria Jackson, and it is my honor to welcome you to Root and Rise with Lucy. Now, this podcast is all about opening up the world of wellness, making it more accessible so that you can create your very own wellness toolkit. By having these conversations with a whole host of guests, I hope that you're picking up tools that are useful for you and leaving the ones that are not so much useful to you. But hopefully there's still interesting things that you're learning along the way. And this conversation today actually marks the end of season two. I absolutely cannot believe that. I don't know where the time has gone. I suppose this year has just been a real blur for all of us, hasn't it? You know, It's just been like one week blurring into the next. So we are at the end of season two and I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much first of all to all of our guests to all of you for listening to everyone who has shared and rated and reviewed it means so much every time you engage with the content that's you know that I'm that I'm bringing to you so thank you so much to everyone who has been a part of this season and a part of the whole project so far. And I'm so, so honored to end this season with a sensational guest. My goodness, when she said yes, I was so honored and so excited because she is so busy and she does so many things and she's got her her finger in many different pies. I think that's a good way of describing it. So it is the wonderful Toral Shah also known as the Urban Kitchen on social media platforms. And Toril is just an absolute fountain of knowledge. My goodness, she is so, so well read, well studied. And she's so passionate as well about everything that she does. It's amazing. So professionally, she is a a nutritional scientist and also a functional medicine practitioner. She does lots of wellness writing and and lots of speaking like on podcasts, like she is today with us. And she does um, lots of TVs as well that the conversations that she shares there are so so valuable and there's lots of content actually that she brings out that I, I really wanted to try and get some bits into this conversation today but of course we're we're limited with time so there's some things on health inequality that I want to direct you to on her platform um, and kind of socioeconomic um, health inequality that's that's just so important we need to be having conversations like this but we just didn't quite manage to get there today but what we did manage to cover my goodness, it's going to be so helpful to so many of you. So, without further ado, I am absolutely delighted to welcome the wonderful Toral Shah to Root and Rise with Lucy. Toral, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. First things first, how are you?
1: I'm great I'm well I'm good it is lockdown again it's tough but I think we learned so much from the previous lockdown that I know what things I need to do and I also know when to step back from social media internet emails and all of those things which I think last time we we're just trying to frantically do as much as possible and I think now I realize that it's I think what's more important is going out and getting fresh air and a walk and things like that. So, and looking after your mental health, because I think if you live alone, like I do, I think it becomes really hard because you spend way more time alone than you normally do, so yeah
0: De- definitely yeah and I know that you are really busy with everything you've got going on I think it, it can probably be so tempting just to say yes to everything and take everything on so just to kind of introduce you a little bit you're a nutritional scientist a functional medicine practitioner you host events you write you regularly do things like this and Instagram lives and all sorts and I think recently you've also done some modeling and campaigning with Stella McCartney so how do you fit it all in because you are very busy <laughs> well, I
1: think firstly being single really helps you have a lot of time (laughs) not having children or dogs or anything means you have a lot of time so and and to be really fair I love what I do so I'm really passionate about it whether it's kind of more the campaigning work or um like educating people and I really try to focus on the things that I genuinely love and I love people I'm very curious about them and for Mm. me the passion of like you know I used to always say that my ethos was that people are happy and healthy but I've actually changed it recently to we are all happy and healthy including the planet because you know that's so important too so I think it's it's sometimes I am one of the people that's if I'm busy and I'm enjoying my, you know, the work, then I will keep going. But that also means that I have to remember to pause and have time for self-care and, you know, refilling the cup. And I'm not brilliant with that. And actually, I remembered just now that I was going to book myself a sound bath tonight. I haven't done it, but I'm going to do it now that you've reminded me. So I'm going to absolutely do that tonight and give myself some time for myself.
0: Oh, amazing. Sound baths are wonderful for that. They really, really are. So So I think that's a great idea. Very well deserved. I think after everything you've been you've been doing. So kind of I mentioned just the headlines of what you do there, but maybe if we could dig a little bit deeper into your own approach to wellness more generally, and what you're most passionate about sharing through your work.
1: So I'm a nutritional scientist, functional medicine practitioner, and a health and food writer. And I'm really passionate about people being happy and healthy, as I shared. Now, how did I get here? Because I think that's kind of explains like why I'm so passionate about these things. But to cut a really long story short, I um, read a book when I was 11 years old. To, which talked about a cancer surgeon who treated teenagers with cancer but also his own child had leukemia and sadly died and from that moment onwards I knew that I was going to work in cancer and in my naive little 11 year old head I was going to cure cancer as you do. <laughs> a really mm. precocious child and obviously so the natural path for then was to go to medical school uh, and become a doctor. When I was at medical school my mom had breast cancer and it completely floored me because I really understood kind of what an oncologist does, which is a cancer specialist. And I thought, hang on a second, I don't know if I want to do that job. That's awful. But it also mm. made me think more about um, nutrition and lifestyle and how I, could, what could we do at home to help my mum recover through surgery, but also from the chemotherapy. And in those days, it's back in 1999, which shows my age. Um, mm-hmm. They really weren't talking about those things. Nobody was talking. The doctors didn't know there was there was research, but it was very little research Um, but the World Cancer Research Fund had already been running for about six years and they were doing loads of you know studies to look at nutrition and lifestyle so it wasn't like I was the first person to think about it but it was definitely not common knowledge and certainly nothing that any healthcare professional or doctor was talking about so for me that you know I ended up for a variety of reasons kind of wondering about this and so I ended up working leaving medical school working in research for a while having a break and then going back and doing masters in nutritional medicine and the rest is kind of not smooth, smooth sailing because when i qualified and um Really, got you know, got ready to see patients and work with organisations. Nobody was still interested in nutrition yet. It was still, I was probably ten years ahead of the game. This is back mm-hmm. in like two thousand four, five, and six, and really, nutrition's only become mainstream, I would say, from two thousand fifteen onwards. So I think that's been. I mean, it was always the preserve of kind of bodybuilders and stuff like that. So, and it was very much about aesthetics and how your body looked rather than actual health. So mm-hmm. now I think it's become really like common practice to talk about your nutrition and your lifestyle and what you do for optimal health and you know now doctors are really learning starting to understand want to learn more about it there's NutriTank which is a organization of medical students which is trying to campaign for doctors to actually have this in the medical school curriculum and so I feel like there's a real place it's taken like it's been a very weekly <laughs> cha-cha type of journey I <laughs> really kind of got to the point where I'm able to talk about nutrition and lifestyle to the point where I recently gave a um, talk to UCL medics which was it kind of meant that I'd gone full circle so I was like right okay wow. this is really a thing now this is this is science so so yeah that's kind of where I, how I got there as far as what I do um, a third of the time I probably see patients uh, privately a third of the time I consult for um, for brands and I do a lot of writing and science writing and helping people develop their products and things. And then the third time is public health work. So whether that's with cancer organizations or campaigns about breast cancer or looking at, you know, health inequalities and that's kind of, the other part of my day really so
0: yeah amazing amazing and as we said you you are very busy with all of it so it shows that you're doing something right because you are definitely in demand so one thing I would love to explore a little bit more because I think most people nowadays will know what a nutritionist is and what a nutritionist does but I think maybe a term that is is less familiar for people is is functional medicine so maybe could we talk a little bit more about that so what is functional medicine and how one how might one go about incorporating it into their their life
1: so if you think about the traditional allopathic western medicine system It's basically split everything into different systems. So you'd go and see an ENT specialist or a gastro specialist or a cardiac specialist or, you know, all of these different things. But functional medicine really looks at your whole body holistically in the way that, not from a holistic in a woo-woo way, but holistically as it is a whole, it's a whole body and everything is interlinked. So Mm. they're really... also lo- just look at kind of what you're doing they look at things like your sleep your exercise your stress um and levels and your social health whether you've got support you know mm. and your diet and life you know, all those things and exercise so we're really looking at the body all together because there's lots of things that we can do by just changing and tweaking our lifestyles and our diets and that will have a massive impact on our health that's not to say that you know they don't treat people conventionally too it's a whole mix of things together. So yeah, it's more of an integrative I think probably integrative is almost better than functional because but it's looking how everything functions together mm. and not just as by itself so for example I know that for me I have always had ear nose throat issues um because I have a retract as born with a retracted eardrum and so for me it's you know one of the conversations that I had when I last saw the specialist was you know I'm doing um kind of making sure I'm doing more breath work so that. I'm breathing with my mouth shut. I'm making sure I do nasal like g- g- rinses and stuff every now and then, you know, making sure I, I'm, you know, really looking at my gut health because that's also linked to like, you know, the rest of your microbiomes, like, including the ones in your nose and your mouth. So that I don't get as many infections, like ear infections and stuff as I used to, because I'm just prone to them. So those sorts of things. It's just mm-hmm. thinking as your body as a whole.
0: Yeah, which makes so much sense. And I think this is something that the West is kind of catching up more with, because as you say, for a while, we have kind of really separated things out. And, you know, even as simplistically as we we look at kind of our bodies and our minds separately as well. But is it is it informed a little bit through kind of more ancient Eastern wisdom traditions as well, like Ayurveda or not? No, not at all. It's all no.
1: evidence-based science. It's all right. using traditional based actually just looking a lot more deeply at the interaction of how all our different systems are. So we know, for example, if you don't sleep well, then your hunger hormones um, so <laughs> leptin really, you know, will be out of balance the next day. You're more likely to want eat sugary and fatty foods. So how can we then improve your sleep so that we can help you then to lose extra body fat? Do you see what I mean? It's, it's much more, kind of look at science, but, and also there's a lot more testing. Um, so things like, for example, a functional medicine person will pretty much always look at your vitamin D levels as a very basic thing. Mm. And then supplement, you know, advice supplement. And obviously we we live in a chronically deficient vitamin D country uh, because we can't make vitamin D from for much of the year so from October to end of March we're not making any vitamin D so and that we know especially from COVID and some of the research that low vitamin D levels are actually really linked to having not pure immune health increasing your risk of diabetes cancer heart disease and also poorer outcomes in COVID so we know Mm. that's super important.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I I think I love the fact that you are kind of so medicine based and science based because I think in this kind of wellness space and in inverted commas it, it can get quite woo-woo sometimes and I think at the moment actually what we have been seeing is a lot of people who don't necessarily have that scientific grounding or haven't explored the science in you know in their own own time kind of well there's there's been a few dangerous theories going around haven't there and and it has felt a little bit like, I don't know, lots of wellness people trying to throw their two cents into the ring with things like anti-vaccinations and stuff like that. I don't know, maybe, maybe we're going a little bit off topic there, but but you know what I Not mean? It's all. kind of, it's really nice that you have that scientific evidence-based background and, and you can present it in, in a way that actually makes sense to people. Because I think that's the thing sometimes is people, they, they might want to learn it, but they don't necessarily understand how it's presented um but so I
1: also think like the problem is we live in a really patriarchal world where women are very much you know a big part of the wellness space get it's all about how women look rather than how they feel and how their body's actually performing mm. so if you're listening to a blogger who hasn't got any research but it looks great and they're just showing what worked for them First of all, you're not acknowledging that every single person's unique and different. And even if, if you're a twin, you'll have a different gut microbiome. So, you know, they're just showing what worked for them. That doesn't mean it's going to work for anyone else. And that doesn't mean that it's scientifically proven. It's just for whatever reason, it worked for them. And I think that's something to remember. And also how you look is not a measure of health. That's your aesthetic. And I think, yes. you know, you and I agree on that very much. And, Definitely. you know, you can be perfectly healthy by being a little bit overweight, I'm not saying you should be. Like I'm definitely a little bit overweight right now, but I know that you know when it comes to my immune system working well, I, I rarely get colds and fluids. I you know I often have energy if I haven't slept well. I don't need to like rely on coffee and sugar to get me through the day. You know all of those things mm-hmm. are very really important. My skin's in good condition. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that if you have acne means you're not well. It's just that you know for someone who's a bit older, you know dehydration, all those things show up in your skin.
0: Mm, yeah for sure and I think this is a conversation actually last week on the podcast I had someone who I think you know actually Aisha Aisha Nash and, and we were talking about this kind of the the idea of health at any size because I think you know it is it's so important to, to to not judge on appearance kind of someone's health based on on what size they're because first of all we never know what they're going through or what they've been through and what their their health history is but also, it's as you say, like this idea of, of being skinny equals healthy is actually a really patriarchal idea. It's kind of it's it's almost been enforced as a as a control mechanism, hasn't it, over the years? So, um, I think that's that's a really valid thing to to bring up is that we can be healthy at any size.
1: And actually, like you know, Aisha and I did a, a IG live a few months ago, looking at the racist roots of diet culture and you know it's linked to racism and white supremacy and this kind of body image that we have now of what constitutes as healthy and I say that in inverted commas because you guys can't see but you know <laughs> being really slim and you know, it's very much based on white people and the temperance movement. And I'm not gonna go into it in detail yet, but if you look up myself and Aisha and look at IGTV, I've posted that on my Instagram account because we really delve into this, kind of the history behind it and the science, but patriarchy is there to make us much more concerned with our body. So we don't actually fight for our actual rights, which is equity with men and equality and being paid the same and having the same rights. So mm-hmm. the it suits men. And I asked my ex-boyfriend yesterday, um, why is it that all the women are doing the work on racism and mm-hmm. he's not men and he's a he's a biracial man and I asked him this question just because I was really curious and I want to know and you had given me an, an honest answer and he said this because women are just used to being discriminated against all the time and they get what it feels like whereas men don't mm-hmm. especially white men he said we just have no idea so we don't care mm-hmm. I was like it's- wow okay thank you but it was I loved the honesty because it really made me understand okay well this is why they're not doing the work
0: Mm, yeah it's so true I think it's really interesting because you know all the conversations that have come up this year um around racism and, and racism in the wellness space and, and also specifically in the yoga space as well I've obviously been on a few courses and kind of tried to do my own research and it, you're right it's always been women in those but there's not been a single man that's been on the course or you know it's it's really um it is really quite telling, isn't it? It's yeah. And I, I, it's not that I, so I have a a white boyfriend as a partner and it's not that he, I'm just using him as an example now, because this is the only kind of anecdotal evidence that I have. I haven't done a whole kind of poll on, on white men, but yeah, so he's willing to have conversations and he's willing to kind of talk about it. And he, you know, I just, I just don't know if there's that same kind of desire to want to, um, to actually do anything about it though because it's uh, yeah I don't know I'm rambling but this, is there, this is it this is what my
1: ex said he said it's because yeah. we just don't know what it feels like yeah. and he said it's not because we don't care we don't he didn't say they don't care but like you know I did say that earlier but like he he said that we just don't know it feels like so we can't really empathize in mm. the same way you yes. don't have any idea what it's like to be discriminated. Actually, as a white man, and there are loads of people. Every time I post about this on my social media, I always get some white men like having a go and trolling me. and say, "Oh, but white men do worse at school and blah blah blah," and they do, but that's not to do with racism. It has to do with the fact that they're doing poorly for a load of other reasons. The point is that you're not discriminated against for the color of your skin or for your sex. And like you mm-hmm. know, and I talk about white privilege or male privilege. You know, you're not discriminated against. So they don't understand that. That's essentially what it is.
0: Mm, for sure. And kind of linking this into the wellness space, I think, again, something that has really come to the forefront of the conversations this year, is that the wellness space is, is a very whitewashed space, and it's not diverse, and it's not equitable. Um, so what are i mean i know this is something you've been talking about for a long time and you've kind of you've got a lot of statistics that you share so you know and being very honest my, a lot of my audience is is probably white and we live in quite a privileged area not everyone listening of course i don't want to generalize completely but most people listening will be of that demographic so kind of what is an, an introductory um you know how can you introduce that to someone who is like me from this area, not not really aware too much of the socioeconomic kind of imbalances in the wellness industry? what What would your your opening conversation be to someone like that?
1: So firstly, I'm going to talk about white privilege. White mm-hmm. privilege is a societal privilege that benefits white people over non-white people in some societies, particularly if they're otherwise under the same social, political or economic circumstances. And mm-hmm. I'll go on further to explain that, that there is unconscious bias. But how do we, you know, I think what we need to understand is, are you aware of your own unconscious bias? Mm-hmm. Do you have enough contact with varied groups do you have stereotypes that you don't counter how many assumptions don't you make do you look at bias at work and in your communities and your friends you know, all of those things so that's kind of first of all we have to start with the self-inquiry with ourselves and mm-hmm. I read this a brilliant quote the other day which I'm actually just going to find and share with you because I found it absolutely fascinating and it really kind of crystallized this whole thing of where are we doing the work and why is this work so important? Um, mm. Not just for ourselves, but also our communities, because that's you know essentially, uh, and there's this woman called Mina, who is a self-care um, and a mental health educator. She did this amazing post saying, it was, and it's kind of talking about community care. True self-care means investigating our implicit biases and how they manifest as actions that can cause harm. It means erecting boundaries when needed in order to preserve and sustain relationships. It means holding ourselves accountable when we are wrong. The work of self-care means understanding that if we are operating in a place of ignorance, we are bring that ignorance to our communities. If we're operating in a place of learning, understand empathy, we bring those traits to our communities as well.
0: So just mm. going back
1: to what you were, um, the question you're asking, this whitewash wellness society, if you're ignorant as a, as a wellness professional person, a blogger, whatever you might be, you're bringing your ignorance to everyone that follows you on Instagram or social mm. media or whatever it is or whatever talks you're doing. Mm. So that's a massive aspect of that. Yet, yeah, if you're doing the learning, you're doing the you know, the self-work, the work on yourself in whatever aspect, it's not just racism and bias um, in, in all areas, then you're also bringing that as well. That understanding, mm. the empathy, the space to self-inquire to your community too. So mm. whether you realize it or not, and I think that's why it's, it's become an echo chamber essentially um, because it's a, you and then and then the other part of it is social media. Sadly, mm. we know that Facebook and Instagram has, the founder, Mosseri um, has shared that there are biases within the system and they are, they basically go against black and brown creators uh, mm. and, and accounts. So that means white, if you're white, slim, cisgendered, um, heterosexual, you're, you know, your work is more likely to be promoted uh, mm. and, I know, and, and slim. So that means someone like me, who is sharing hopefully a whole load of knowledge, I'm ne- I haven't, you know, my accounts growing very slowly compared to other accounts, because I'm not white and slim and I'm not showing myself in bikini all the time, you know? Mm. So yeah, I have all the knowledge and yet we've got people who, as you shared pre- earlier in the podcast, who don't know very much, and yet their account and their information has been promoted. So I'm currently shadow banned on Instagram for talking about health inequalities and racism. Um, and despite having nearly 20,000 followers, hardly anyone's seeing my content at the moment and you get shadow banned for about 90 days. So I'm probably about two thirds of the way through because I, oh my gosh! yeah, <gasps> at, at, yeah, it's, because I've been talking about health inequalities and racism inadvertently, which I didn't know, which I've now learned because Lucy Sheridan's been amazing at sharing this about, is that I have used some hashtags that were shadow banned, and I've used, talked about racism and in the run up to the US election, they, want, they basically blanket shadow banned all those things. Despite me talking about health inequality, cancer care and things like that.
0: Wow, that is absolutely shocking because what you share is so valuable to so many people and I think well so for the shadow Bend to help help your content be seen so for anyone listening that is engaged on those platforms I think what you need to need what need to do is is head tutorials platform which we'll share at the end of the chat and you save you comment you share you like and then does that make your your work a bit more visible yeah okay And
1: also like switch on the, the three dots and look at you know
0: so ah, you're
1: notified okay. when the post. So I'm no What I've noticed is that a lot of people who follow me for some reason. They just don't see my, you know, even friends. They're like, "Oh, we did not even know you posted." So it's really yeah, important. It's so
0: important because I think actually one of the ways that we can, we can kind of work through this in the wellness space is is amplifying voices of people that we aren't used to seeing you know um and and we don't want to hear the same view from the same people all the time do we so it's well you know it's...
1: no I'm going to disagree with that I'm going to say some people do they want to live in the echo chamber because they don't want to confront okay, them yeah. themselves I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry I'm going to disagree they don't want to confront yeah. they don't want to deal with their own shit and that's what yeah. it is it's not dealing with their own prejudices their own biases and you know and there's two types of women in this world and this is because of patriarchy one is women who will if there's a room full of opportunities they will share your name and they will raise you up and they will support and there's other Mm -hmm. women who are just view you as competition whether it's professionally how you look what you can do everything they will just always always want to look at themselves and there's people in my life I've noticed like people are supposed to be friends that uh, who will never share my work, who will never like my post, who will never mm. share what I'm doing, but yet want me to do it all the time. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that anymore.
0: Mm. Just yeah, not doing fair it. enough. I know which woman I want to be for sure. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I think it's uh, women have to make the choice and we have to teach our children. We have to teach our sisters. We have to teach our nieces, our, our, our mothers, our aunts. Like who do you really want to be? Because if we don't work together as women, to raise other women and, and, and really inc- you know, increase our equality and equity then we have no tr- chance against mm. men yeah and men like sure. it that way they want us to compete against each other which is why all women's health magazines and stuff are all very much about our body all my- women's magazines to make us feel not good enough so that we're so busy with our own bodies and our own things and we're so busy competing with each other there's no scarcity there's plenty of men there's plenty of other things there's plenty mm. of opportunities
0: yeah, for sure. And I think actually that's what makes conversations like this so important. Because I think very often it is an unconscious thing. It, it's not something that people have sought to do, or it's it's not a way that they necessarily are or thinking about, you know, about being and, and their, their actions and their 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 biases are so unconscious. So I think actually this is why having conversations about it is so, so important.
1: Listen, I mean unconscious bias is there to protect us right mm. there's a reason why so if you go back a lot of this is from you know, how we developed as human beings you know from neanderthals to you know, homo sapiens And if you look at hunter gatherer day that's where it came from because we used to travel in small groups and hunt and gather and you know finding other tribes that looked like us you know meant that we could probably trust them and not they wouldn't murder us in our sleep <laughs> and so you know, we've got to understand that it doesn't just come from anywhere. But obviously, we live in a post-race society now, so it's mm. not appropriate. And we've got to remember, like with most things, our environment has changed so much. The kind of people, the way we interact with people, the fact that we emigrate so much—it's all changed. Particularly in the last, you know, few hundred years. But if you think about it, even in the last ten thousand years, and our minds and our bodies have not evolved as quickly as the mm. world life has. Mm -hmm. So one book I really recommend is Dr. Pragya Agarwal's book called Sway and it really explains and looks at the science of um, unconscious bias and ways it comes from. It shows a lot of statistics and I find that book very, very useful. It's sitting on my table just on the side of me um, Mm -hmm. and I would suggest that anyone uh, reads that to understand Mm -hmm. more about that.
0: Amazing. We'll definitely link to that in the show notes for sure. Now, while we've got you, I would love to chat a little bit about your kind of your top tips for anyone that is struggling at the moment, kind of maybe financially, because I think there's lots of people affected by by COVID-19. If they are struggling financially, what can they do to invest in their health in really kind of practical, simple ways? What would be your tips?
1: So firstly, there's nothing wrong with frozen vegetables and tins. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be expensive to eat well. And if you eat season and you go to um, like farm, like, you know, actual markets, like not just farmers, market, but just markets, like every town seems to have a market. Like near me, there's something called East Street Market and they sell these big bowls of fruit and vegetables. And they're normally much more seasonal. It's whatever they can get hold of. Um, you use those. Batch cook so you're not wasting food tins mm. of beans and for even cheaper than tins of beans are being buying bags of beans and rice and grains and cooking them from scratch yes i guess it's time and that's the thing so what you could do is cook a massive batch of beans and stuff and then portion off and freeze it so that you just have to defrost it same as having a tin right mm-hmm. so batch cooking food um you know, all of those things I think are really really important and also yeah, you know, if you think about the, the traditional peasant diet that was really high in fruit and vegetables legumes hot nuts se- you know seeds whole grains that is a much cheaper way to eat and then eating a little bit of meat and fish but better quality is going to make your money go a lot further look I have nothing it's frozen things I have a whole like two freezer drawers full of like frozen you know fruit and vegetables partly because I'm worried about Brexit and there's going to be real issues with the food you know su- supplies but partly because I just think it's good to, you know lockdown and stuff just to be prepared because I don't know what's going to happen around the mm. corner so and like visit your like I mean I don't think some of the cheaper supermarkets are great like visit your local refill, you know shop because they're often cheaper too because you take your own jar and you fill it up um I would also you know think about but yeah, I, oh, I'm a real fan of the reduced stuff at the fresh fruit and vegetables. I'm always looking at that. <laughs> always. And I just buy it and I eat it that day, you know. And, and even like meat and fish, you just freeze it on that same day if you're not going to eat it. So I think there's nothing, these are all things that people have become either snobbish about or don't think about or educated about. And I think so, so important. But batch mm. cooking, you know, saves time and money. Yeah, um, for
0: sure. I'm a massive frozen food fan. I love my, my frozen berries. And is it true that if they're frozen, they actually get, you, you capture more of the vitamins because they're frozen like straight after they're picked. So yeah, the that, fresh yeah. Fruit and
1: vegetables is frozen straight after it's picked, so they can retain a lot higher nutrients. Because by the time we, you pick the thing, you package it, you ship it to one country, to another country, to, to back to here, you know, here, it, it can, how long it's been on the shop, you know, who knows how long it's been on the shop floor for before you buy it.
0: So mm.
1: potentially, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, I, there's some great, like, you know obviously that everyone always thinks about having frozen sweet corn and peas and stuff but if you look now there's so many other things so i know some supermarkets already have frozen roast vegetables they have like you know butternut squash and stuff you know which is already chopped up which is such a chore anyway so why wouldn't you sometimes it's a bit more expensive but sometimes it's not you know so i think it's even like those vegetable mixes with the carrots and the peas and the you know all those things they can be made into something really delicious you know with lots of herbs and stuff and i think fresh herbs and if you buy them from the market, much cheaper you can get your giant herbs. Add so mm. much flavour mm. and loads of nutrients and they're not that expensive.
0: So yeah, for sure.
1: Do those things.
0: And yeah, anything that sure. you
1: feel like is going to go off, blitz it with some olive oil and put it in the freezer.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> soup and sauces and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I, don't, I don't bin
1: anything. I don't bin, a, you know, hardly anything
0: yeah i think that's so good because we do waste so much food i i saw a statistic the other day oh no i think it was on the david attenborough um documentary that he did and apparently we make enough food for 10 billion people every year so do
1: Do you know that the greenhouse gas waste of from food waste is basically the third largest if it was a country it'd be the third largest uh, waste basically after us and china that's just crazy. Isn't and like it? 30% more food that's produced in the UK is wasted. How much wow. do you buy something and then you've just been it?
0: yeah I know it's so bad isn't it but I think frozen is definitely the way to go because even if as you say like you you cook it up and then you blitz it up you can freeze that as well my only problem is space in my freezer
1: but I think you know again like is it do you need to do a big shop like you know I know a lot of people do it online shopping like why do you need to do that do you need to do that do you live in a place where you could just go and pick a couple of things up you know a day I, I... Yeah, I don't do that. I never do. Like, hardly ever do a big shot. Let us to get like washing powder and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's about people thinking a bit more and not being so wasteful.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and that ties in really nicely to what you said at the beginning about um, you know, how you you've kind of thought about not just your own health and kind of individual health, but also the the health of the planet as well. I think that's such a nice way of, of tying that in. And I would kind of also add to that as well. It's kind of it's not just about our individual health it's not just about the planet health but actually all of these conversations that you know we're having today and we've been, everyone's been having this year around racism and ableism it's actually it's it's about our health collectively you know as a whole human race because actually what what's the point in just us being well if if the people around us and uh, you know everyone else isn't isn't well i think I, for me that's something i've been thinking about a lot recently
1: no and I think that we have become quite self-absorbed society quite frankly <laughs> and I talk about this all the time and you know mm. the amount of people that don't check in on other people uh, uh, yet they worry when no one checks in them and it's 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 yeah it's it's sad actually and it hopefully this year as difficult as being it's giving people a bit of reason and allowing people to think differently what do they really want from life mm. because yeah you know, for me, that's one of the things in fact, we, so I have another brand called what the health um, events. And we talk, look at health in a 360 approach. We look at physical, mental, but social health too. And like, we know there's a loneliness pandemic anyway, before COVID. And now that loneliness pandemic has gone even worse. And mm. we know that loneliness has the same impact on your physical health as if well, I was smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So, if you look at Dr. Wow. Vinette Woodley, who is the ex surgeon, US surgeon general, he's written all about this in his book. And it's terrifying how, you know, and think about all these people who live alone, even myself, you know, living alone, working for myself, locked down by myself, you know, it, it, there have been moments of real kind of loneliness. And we've forgotten that community spirit. And actually one of the things I think that's actually happened in lockdown is, A, people felt really lonely, but also some places there's been some amazing community spirit too. So Mm -hmm. I think we have to think about the positive. So hopefully this is gonna be a whole year of growth. And, And I feel like, again, going back to the whole, what we're talking about women, There's two types of people. There's people who have used this time, which has been really difficult to grow. And I get some people have had easier time to let it grow because if you haven't got a job or you haven't got money and you're you're really worried about your future, I think it's very hard. But And the people that have complained and not really done anything about it. I went on a Mm -hmm. date with someone actually. And he just complained the whole time. I, thought, I don't want to get again. <laughs> this is the moment we're allowed to yeah, in the middle of the lockdown. But like yeah. we just went for coffee, but he complained about like being a I Complained about him, and I was like, "Well, you have got all this time. You could do all the things." He just, yes. I just thought, "No, you're not my person. <laughs> you've not, a, you're not a, got a growth mindset. I'm not interested." Bye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that you're sharing your dating dating life with oh, dating. us. lockdown dating. Do, do, lockdown it's horrible. Dating. Do, do, do it. I've given up again. Oh. Oh goodness. I know my friend actually, this is going completely off track, but he actually did find a girlfriend during lockdown and I believe they're still together. So it does work for some people, but we just couldn't like see how that would even work. Dating over Zoom, I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> it's good because you actually get to know someone and it's not just about sex, right? It's really That's important. And, and I think that this is where we've become a very and again going back to your kind of original your comment that you had a few minutes ago about society health we've become so much about instant gratification that Mm. we don't value hard work dedication spending quality time really getting to know someone and a relationship I reckon if you can get through that then I could totally see it working and I actually think that's a lovely story now I feel more positive that you told me that but like this is where people have forgotten (laughs) like we're actually having some sort of commitment and getting to know someone and it can make a huge difference.
0: For sure, for sure. If you can get through a lockdown with someone, you can get through anything. (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) I love that. Oh well,
0: Toral, thank you so much. I know that you're super, super busy, so I'm gonna bring us on to our quick fire five questions, but they're not so much quick fire. We can take as much time as as you want to over them. Um, So first of all, what are your top three wellness tips to include in your wellness toolkit?
1: One is sleep. I think mm-hmm. people really underestimate how important sleep is. And sleep affects every part of our you know physiology. And if we don't get enough sleep, we will all our hormones and all our system. So try and get good quality sleep. We're all so guilty, especially in lockdown, of having so much more screen time, including myself. Mm. So I yeah, I bought myself some blue light blocking glasses um to help with that because we are like we're socializing on screens, we're watching TV, we're you know doing work. Um And like really making your sleep environment and you're looking after your sleep hygiene is just so important. So that's my first tip. Second one is eat the rainbow. And I probably say that's about Mm. 15 million times a day. But really (laughs) eat a wide variety of different seasonal fruits and vegetables and herbs and plants, you know, and eat 30 different things a week. Because... We, our body needs a, the fiber. Most people in the UK only eat, reach an average 18 grams of fiber. And we all need 30 grams of fiber. Um, and there's a lot of it in fruit and vegetables, but also we need all those antioxidants and then there's powerful polyphenols and phytochemicals, which are all, you know, really protective of health and help support our immune system and protect against disease and all sorts of things. So let's mm-hmm. do that. And the more we have variety and don't eat the same seven vegetables, you know, a week. Then better it will be for our gut health and our immune yeah. health. So, so I
0: that's, imagine that's a good one for children as well, trying to make health eating fun for children too, for any parents a listening. Chart.
1: Yeah, make yeah. a chart and give them a sticker every time they've got like the seven, you know, colours of the rainbow and like they've eaten something from each colour of the rainbow. Yeah, I think you have to replace... Uh, which one is it? One of the indigos and violets with white because obviously, you know, purple, blue, it's basically. Um, so yeah, I definitely, that's kind of one. And then the other thing is, we've got to remember that movement, exercise isn't just, it's not really for your how you look. It's really about finding something you love Mm -hmm. and enjoying it and doing and doing it for your mental health and like for other aspects of your health you know even the physical aspects And it's really about finding something so for me I am one of those people that really likes to go to the gym and lift heavy weights but I don't have Uh any weights every time I try and order a kettlebell it says it accepts my order and nothing ever comes so (laughs) it's fine I've got over there's a kettlebell shortage but um you know I've been and i'm because i live in a flat with an open plan living room kitchen dining room office it's really hard space wise so for me i've decided that it's no point doing the normal stuff i do i've got to do other stuff so mm. that means I love dancing. So I look at dance classes. So on Saturday morning, I realised I haven't done that much this week. I enrolled a couple of girlfriends to do a dance class with me. Amazing. Online. Yeah. So those are things I do. I mean, little things that like I've set my bike up on train, And I'm going to do, like rather than doing like an hour spin class, I'm trying to do a couple of shorter ones instead, you know, using apps. So it's about finding something, making sure I get outside for a walk. Like I've been walking way more this lockdown than the previous lockdown because I'm really conscious that I didn't do enough steps the first time because we, I mean, also we were, had different restrictions too, to be fair as well. We weren't allowed mm. an hour a day, but now we're allowed that longer. Like, you know, making sure at least two, or three times a day, I do these long walks, which are about, you know, 20,000 steps and just, you know, those sorts of things, getting into fresh air, getting into nature. is just so important mm. for our health.
0: Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I obviously as a yoga teacher, I am a massive advocate for movement, but I'm also an advocate for a a, a whole host of movement. I think it's really important that you don't just do one thing. I think it's really important just to be really varied. And as you say, walk, lift stuff, do whatever, dance around your kitchen. It sounds amazing. I want to join on Saturday.
1: Come, come, I'll send it. I'll send you the class. It's fun. And the first class is with this guy called AJ and it's just ridiculous fun. It's so much fun. Amazing. That sounds absolutely
0: epic. Perfect for a Saturday morning. (laughs) So question number two, what is the first thing you do in the morning?
1: So I actually do breathwork and meditation. So I use an app that Eddie Stern, who's a very famous yoga teacher. And he has done this. um, He's got a breathwork app and he actually Moby makes the sounds on it. Oh, I love his soundtracks. Yeah. And actually I do seven minutes every morning um with that fail it's like a non-negotiable for me um I don't get out of bed I just it in bed um and then normally I do some meditation this morning I miss my meditation but I'm going to do a longer one after the sand bath so I'll make up for it um but yeah those are two they've become you know real like non-negotiables for me because I think this sets me up to have a good day if nothing else I've given myself at least 15 minutes 20 minutes just for me yeah just for me
0: Yeah. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we could find those 15 minutes it just means kind of setting the alarm that little bit earlier and I do the same as you actually I meditate in bed and my my puppy that I showed you before we started recording so I'll sit I'll, I'll, I will double over my my pillow and then I'll sit up on my pillow I'll cross my legs and then as soon as I'm in that position she'll come up and she'll curl up and she'll curl up on my lap oh, it's wow. so cute
1: <laughs> yeah
0: it's very sweet I'm very lucky that she's a snoozy dog <laughs> yes definitely Aww.
1: she's been okay. very quiet and very well behaved I have to she, say.
0: She, she's so quiet bless it. she just loves to snooze she's just yeah she's great she's perfect podcast host hostess <laughs> oh so what's the last thing you do at night
1: um so the last sort of big thing i do is i i have a little gratitude journal by my bedside so i will write at a minimum five things that i'm grateful for for the day it just sets mm. me in a good mindset Um, I do read after that and then go to bed, but like that is the last kind of that for me, that signals. I have a really strict bedtime routine where I have a shower, I moisturize and do the stuff. And then I, you know, have, I I take supplements and you know all my bits and pieces, and then I will always do the gratitude diary. And then I know that my body, it signals my body that I'm ready to read a little bit and go to sleep. And I think having that real structure around your sleep hygiene is really important
0: definitely and also then I you think... feel
1: positive about the day because you can always think of five things at first I found it really hard now I find mm. like you know if you tell me to do 10 things I'll be fine okay great so I think it's like getting into that kind of gratitude mindset um and just really be able to look for the small things in life are really me some of the best things
0: I think so too I think this year actually that's been a big lesson for lots of people as well it's just looking for those small things and yeah, and just feeling, feeling grateful for them. And, it, and the small things make the big things. That's the saying, isn't it? Or something like that. I might have got that wrong, but...
1: <laughs> but they're the things yeah. that you often can't necessarily pay for, um, you know, and they're really important. I think what we've realised is, in some ways, like, obviously, you know, we're not equal a society. We didn't talk about health inequalities. But, um, you know, one thing that's happened is that whether you're rich or you're poor, if you've had to lock down you've had to lock down if you've had to be by yourself or you've had to isolate or you've had to not travel everyone it's affected everyone
0: mm,
1: yeah and there's not money you can throw at the issue really so
0: definitely yeah for sure okay so that actually what you mentioned not so long ago leads me nicely on to my next question which is what is your favorite book what do so you
1: read before bed so no <laughs> I, I I read a I read vast, vast amount. I'm like, well, I'm a really fast reader. I read (laughs) hundred pages an hour.
0: So yeah,
1: I have to buy, borrow, you know, a lot of books and I use, you know, Kindle Unlimited because you can borrow books and give them back, which is really nice. But um, my favourite book is this book called The Far Pavilions by MMK. And it's quite obscure, but it's basically um, set in kind of, I think it's, uh, I want to say 19th century India and it's about... uh, a British boy who, who's always lived in India and brought up as Indian actually because um, his parents die and um, a princess that he meets and, and I am a real romantic and I, it's one of my favourite books ever and it's got a lot of history in it it's got a lot of like descriptions of the uh, kind of the views and these beautiful events and it's it's just very emotional as well so it's literally my favourite book um, it's very thick I'm a big fan of big whoppers. I mean, obviously, if you fall asleep and if fall ahead <laughs> it's not 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 ideal. Uh, it has happened, um, but yeah, I, I you know, and it's a book that I've read you know quite a few times, but I will come back to maybe once every year or so and read it. So maybe that's what I'll start back on tonight because like, it's been a long time since I read it.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. What was the name of that one again? Sorry,
1: it's the Far Pavilions. I can send it to you.
0: The Far Pavilions. That would so be I'll send beautiful. you sway
1: and the Far Pavilions
0: amazing thank you and then my final question is do you have a mantra or an intention that you live by
1: people planet pocket
0: people planet, people, planet
1: pocket. pocket because we have to look after all of those things because if we don't do that then it's not responsible like i think for me like i never used to think I didn't really think about money in the same way. And I always felt that it was either scarcity or I wasn't good at it, but I realized mm-hmm. it's not about that. It's about educating yourselves. So you got to know the whatso at any one time. you got to know what's in your account. You've got to know what your outgoings are. you got to know what you're up to and then you can be responsible about it. So it's that's an area I've really transformed in the last couple of years. And I have to be honest, my brother's really helped me with that. But um, Yeah, and people, like, we all need people. People are not islands. So when people Mm. say we're really independent, like, I know I have moments where I'm just trying to be really independent and not be a burden to others so that I can, and that definitely came from having cancer um, young, that I just Mm. didn't, you know, I didn't want to be a burden on my parents or my friends or my family. And actually that's something that's maybe gone a bit too far. So I'm really conscious that um, we're not islands and we need other people and the planet Mm -hmm. we have to look off there's no planet B (laughs) that's
0: it there's just one yeah there's no planet B yeah that's such a a lovely kind of thing to end on and just kind of if people I'm sure lots of people after this who who don't know you yet will want to get in touch with you so where can they find you where can they come and support you and like all your things and share everything to get over that
1: shadow ban (laughs) (laughs) well the shadow ban's on Instagram it's not anywhere else so on Instagram I'm (laughs) at The Urban Kitchen Um, on Twitter I'm Urban Kitchen and i've got a facebook page and my website is www.theurbankitchen.co.uk and i'm always doing talks and events and sharing more about health inequalities particularly cancer care and the environment and sustainability and you know how to eat well and sharing lots of recipes and things so please come along and have a look and see what i'm doing and cook and i do lots of cook along sometimes too so yeah
0: amazing yeah, I'm definitely going to echo that because I've been been following you, Toral, for I think maybe since about June. And I've just I've learned so much from your page. So anyone listening, please go and follow Toral because she does share some incredible content content that will make you think sometimes but i think that is what we all need we all need to to think and reassess about kind of you know how we're going to move forwards together so thank you so much and do you have any events particularly coming up that you
1: want to share before we say goodbye so um, i have another brand called what the health and uh, with my friend ava perhaps and we are running on the 29th of november a um health manifesto so basically helping you create your own personalized health manifesto um in that you look at your physical your mental your social health and what works for you there's not a whiff of a detox diet or crazy exercise hmm. but it's about really looking at sustainable long-term health which is based on the who um definition of health the world health organization and we help you create something that makes you feel better about yourself but also to help you thrive and not to survive because I think this year so many of us have just survived so we are doing this and we've got free free tickets for NHS workers and we've got some early bird tickets left so have a look mm-hmm. at what the health events um, on Instagram or www.whatthehealthevents.co.uk and come and join us we do lots of fun events and lots of good panel discussions and
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Troll. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you today and I hope you have a really beautiful day.
1: Thank you so much. Take care. You too.
0: Bye. so once again thank you so much Toral for your wisdom today I've learned so much and it was such a joy talking with you I mean the, the topics that we covered were all quite serious things but actually I love a serious conversation sometimes and I think it's really important that we do have these more serious conversations and we are confronted with things that we might not necessarily think about because you know to be honest lots of us do like to sit in our comfort zone so if there was anything in there that you were maybe a little bit challenged by or even triggered by so for example when we were speaking about race and racism in the wellness space you know if if you were kind of sat there thinking well i'm a white person and you know i shouldn't be made to feel guilty for being white then yes exactly that's not what we were saying at all actually if you are white and you hold white privilege It's not something to be seen as dirty or something that you should feel guilty for. But what I would ask of you is to think about this question, how can I use my privilege for the greater good? How can I use my privilege for the greater good? and it's something that I've been asking myself a lot this year, and one thing that I'm really trying to do is, you know, bring to the light um, different voices, so of people who are black and brown and different different uh, heritage to me, I think it's so, so important that I use this space, this platform that I have to highlight that, and I mean, to be honest, Toro doesn't need any of my help on that, her platform is so much bigger than mine, so I'm just so grateful that she came on today, because yeah, she's a real fountain of knowledge and just so much fun she's she's a i love her character and her energy she's wonderful so as i said in the episode please engage with her go and support her she is sharing some wonderful things on her platform And I think, you know, it'd just be wonderful if we could uplift her and her work. So before I sign off for the season, I just want to say one more time, thank you so much for joining me this season. I have been taken to school. I've learned so much. And it's been such an honor to hold this space for our wonderful guests and for you to explore some topics that maybe we haven't thought about before. So thank you so much. And if you are enjoying it, remember, share, subscribe, rate, and review even while we're having this little break over the Christmas and um, the New Year period, it all just means so much. And I, I do read every single review. And of course, if you are kind of worried about the Christmas break and keeping your yoga going, then do remember I've got my online platform, my online membership, Root and Rise The Practice. And every month I bring out five new videos, all slightly different lengths and different styles to help you fit yoga into your busy, busy life. So I'll make sure I include that link in the show notes as well so thank you once again and I'm wishing you all a really beautiful Christmas and festive period and of course wishing you a really beautiful day